0: You are Locked On Pacers, your daily Indiana Pacers podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.
1: Welcome back into to the Locked On Pacers podcast, where we, of course, talk about the Indiana Pacers. Hope everybody had a great weekend. As always, my name is Tony East. I cover the team for Forbes and the West Side Community News, and today loaded show fun weekend Pacers had fan jam a scrimmage in front of fans we got to see the rookies dance they had a game on Friday against the Cavs Chris Duarte started for the first time in preseason action Justin Holiday got hurt There was some funky shot stuff they won the game a lot to break down from that action some stuff going forward this week that requires coverage for this Pacers team as they wrap up preseason so of course joining me on the other line let's break down all the crazy topics about this team that is swirling because they play a basketball game that matters In nine days, Mr. Adam Friedman, former Indy Corners writer extraordinaire. Adam, how's it going?
0: Pretty good. Pretty good. You almost caught me mid-burp, but I'm all good now.
1: (laughs) I have. I've been getting too many burps on the podcast. I can't help it. I just I don't know what's going on. But yeah, lots to get to today. I suppose we'll go happy. If you're a bad news first person, I'm sorry. We're going to go good news first with uh, Chris Duarte starting, and then we'll do Justin Holiday second and some just general kind of big news items to check out and watch for this week first. But yeah, that I think is... The biggest takeaway from the Pacers game last Friday against the Cleveland Cavaliers. Chris Duarte moves into the starting five in place of Jeremy Lamb. And intuitively, you've kind of brought this up more than me on this show. That this could happen eventually. And Jay Michael, who used to be with the Indy Star, was tipping for a while that they were thinking of starting him at some point anyway because they really like his potential. So it took them one preseason game to go, you know what, let's do this now. And then the thought process is pretty simple, right? Chris Duarte, they just drafted him. They they have him under team control for at least five years, probably longer, and they think he's good, and he looks good in his preseason action. Granted, it's only the preseason. The other consideration is Jeremy Lamb right now, who's on an expiring contract and who knows what his future with the team is, and he's not so talented that you feel like you have to start Jeremy Lamb. So, yeah, with those two situations, that makes sense to start Duarte. I've always maintained that given Carlisle's past and the fact that Karis Lavert would return presumably early in the season – just roll with the vet until he's back. But it makes sense why they decided to do Duarte over Lamb, especially with how he's playing, I think, Adam.
0: Yeah. The thing I would say about Duarte is he's high high floor, maybe low low ceiling. And I said that a couple of times before. And he seems like he is a much more mature rookie. I mean, obviously 24 years old, but you watch him out there and you don't worry that he's gonna make some of the like boneheaded rookie moves right like he he does take a couple like a, he don't take a three-point shot I'm kind of like maybe you need to pull up from there but um he's not like I think Carlisle doesn't like rookies because he thinks they're gonna make a mistake or do something really dumb but Duarte doesn't really have that in his game because he's kind of worked through it whether it's through college or whatnot he's gotten to this point where like he comes in to me as like a maybe a second or third year level experience in some ways because of his age and stuff like that. And he, he just isn't the same kind of rookie that Carl is used to seeing. So that's why I think I was, I always thought they might, he might eventually start him.
1: Yeah. You know, and the thing with Carlisle and rookies is we're all basing this off of his time with Dallas. And that's fair to say, like Josh Green didn't play a lot. And basically every non Luka rookie in, in past for the Mavs hasn't gotten as much minutes as their fans would like. But now that he's here, Isaiah Jackson's in the preseason rotation. Duarte's already starting. The regular season hasn't started yet. So I will make no claims of change for him. But maybe it's like an organizational thing where he comes to Indiana and there's kind of a shift in the presence over him. And he and he's just like, okay, yeah, I can change a little bit there. Because he is leaning more on rookies in general with, with Jackson playing more too. But yeah, Duarte's yeah.
0: starting. Oh, go ahead. But I would be surprised if Jackson plays anything more than like garbage time or some injury step up minutes, right? Like, I mean, he's looked okay, but I don't think he's like really ready to play. In the like, let's call I guess, backup center spot. Like, I feel like Goga is still going to have it over him. Like, I don't think we're going to see a ton of Jackson. Interesting. Injury. Do you? I mean, I've I, guess been, I mean, I've
1: been thinking the preseason rotation is more legit than you then because I feel like he, oh, I, I think Carlisle, like, might seriously play him over O'Shea and Goga.
0: Oh, I feel like the preseason rotation is just like, We've got let's just kind of like experiment kind of thing. I don't know. But I, I we'll see. I mean, I, I just don't read a lot in the preseason in any sport, like whether it's football or basketball, like I think the preseason is just a bunch of hot, hot garbage of you just kind of throw things against the wall and see what happens and you're not really like trying to do much. You're basically trying to get out without any any injuries, unfortunately that happened to the Pacers. But I don't know. I don't read much into it, but you're you're with the team more and you kind of hear him speak more. So maybe he's tipping his hand a little more to the media.
1: There is some experimenting, certainly. You know, that he mentioned um, Carlisle. Is he here? Like last week, we were asking him a lot about the starting five, right? Because Lamb and Justin Holiday were in it. And he's like, yeah, this group's been going, well, they've been passing the ball really well. They're sharing it. They look good pushing up the floor. And then, like, the next day, he's like, yeah, we mixed it up in practice today. And had a line of it stuff. And we didn't really know what it was. Then he started Lamb in the first preseason game. And then they immediately showed the mix up by going with Duarte. And then in practice earlier this week, but prior to the Cavs game, He was talking about how they played Isaiah Jackson at the four in practice, and then lo and behold, the very next game, boom, he's playing the four in the rotation. He's playing next to either Sabonis or Turner, who both played more than they did in the first preseason game. So I'm just more confident it's kind of the real rotation because it's coming after a practice in which they they try that thing. So I guess it's possible that it's an extension of practice where he says, yeah, it's a preseason game. Let's try it. But anyway... Via Duarte Lamb, I think that Duarte has played well enough, both as his fit with the starting five. Like like you said, he's a little trigger happy at times. Um, he is playing a lot, but you know he, he was five for eleven. Uh, his passing actually is pretty nice, only two assists, but you know he can make the right reads. He's in the right spots. He had 11 points against the Cavs. He fits in well enough with the starters that if Levert's not ready by opening night, I think they'll probably stick with that over Lamb. But that said, something we'll talk about next. segment. mean, Justin Holiday's injury kind of changes up thought process there, but I think he's done well fitting in with that group as the fifth option.
0: Yeah, I mean, I think that's where as a rookie, he's kind of in the best spot too, right? If you are that fifth option out there, you're like kind of left alone and you don't have, to, like it, it's almost better than being the number one guy on the bench or number two off the bench because you're given almost more space. Now, you're playing a really good team that has f- five really good starters, maybe not, but Duarte just, when you watch him, he just like he has a maturity about him and he his handle is good enough. I don't think, I mean, hopefully he can get better and stuff like that, but it's good enough to basically play two guard or play kind of a small forward at times. And he's not like some guy who's just going to sit in the corner and take threes. Like he can do a little off the dribble. He has a couple moves. Like he just, just like a presence to him that I, when I watch him, I don't feel like he's a rookie. Like I wouldn't, I remember watching like, let's say like miles Turner, 60 years ago, Well, Turner was a pretty good rookie, but you could still kind of feel it in decision-making at times, With Duarte, you just kind of look at it and like, Oh, this guy kind of has a understands the game to a little bit higher level than like most first year players.
1: Yeah, the the two things with Duarte that are interesting, and actually I want to go back to something you just said about him being in the corner. Caitlin Cooper just wrote about this, but we've we've really seen it already in two preseason games. How, like, yeah, the Pacers have roles. Like their bigs do certain things, and their guards do certain things. But there's a lot of, she she wrote this word interchangeability, which like guys who are like just just put them into like handlers, wings, bigs. Like if you're a wing, if you're like the two wing, the three wing, or the four wing, you kind of can do any of three roles on any given possession, right? So like. The thing about Duarte that's been good is he can shoot from the corners, but he's also been handling in the pick and roll sometimes or coming out of the slot or cutting off of a big who's holding the ball or setting a screen right. So, like, the fact that he can do all those things, at least at somewhat competent of a level, makes it fine that he could fit at the two or the three, depending on whatever happens with the lineups going forward, which is good. Those are skills that he needs to show to fit in with the starting five and the stuff we've seen from the Pacers so far. Now, granted, they've practiced, like, all of six times, so... The, that's going to change as the season goes on, but that's good. He can do all the things he's, he needs to do to play with any unit. And the other big fit is, you know, we, we I've just been talking about offense, like he can kind of team defend. Yeah. Right? Like he, yeah. he's still sl- slow processing the game. Every rookie will always say this Wow, the NBA game is so fast. Even Isaiah Jackson, whose defense has been insane for a rookie in the preseason, is like, these guys are so quick. Like I can't keep up. So that Duarte will just naturally have that. That might not even be a criticism of him, it's just a thing that happens. So, he can keep up, and he's in, kind of in the right spots, and he'll get beat sometimes, and not realize what's happening as he's a rookie. But he's good enough on defense right now that his fit is fine. That you, if he starts, you know, assuming there's not a huge rookie wall, that that's a fine choice over Jeremy Lamb. If Karras is back, I wouldn't think he'd start at the two.
0: Yeah, and I think he benefits from the fact that he doesn't have like most rookies earn their spot on a team with defense, right? Like that's yeah. how he gets played, But in the starting lineup, they just don't have enough. Off the ball scores, right? I mean, Holiday when he's in there because of injuries and whatnot. But with Holiday in there, Holiday's mainly a kind of catch and shoot, a little bit of dribble, but like not like wows you. Uh, you know, Sabonis and Brogdon I guess are the kind of two guys. But Turner can't really do it, so they need a guy who can kind of create on his own. So he has the benefit of like if he can do that, that probably gets him some starting minutes with all the injuries. Now when things yep. settle back in with injuries, he's going to be have to play better on defense to probably earn that spot. Like, if they want to play a small lineup, they probably earn that spot over Justin Holiday. Let's say in a small lineup, he's going to have to play better better defense. But I think, like, to start of the year, he's okay with the fact that, like, as long as he just puts some an offense and kind of keep the offense moving, that's what the Pacers need, at least for, like, the short term.
1: And it's only one game. I don't want to totally get, like, way too into the weeds on stats from one preseason game, right? But yeah. we did note after the Knicks game, remember we said – You know, Duarte, like, kind of create a little bit, but when McConnell can't do it, like, you're asking a lot from him with the second unit to be the entire secondary creation, where if you switch him and Lamb in the situation they have now with injuries, Lamb can sub create a lot better already because he's a vet. And lo and behold, they switch roles. Jeremy Lamb is four for six and looks way better with the second unit than the starters. McConnell has a better game, uh, passing-wise at least. He couldn't shoot at all. And we'll get to that later today, actually, shooting in general for McConnell. But... The interchanging of those two roles just kind of made sense and uh, how they fit with the lineups they're in. So we'll see how that progresses. They have two more games this week to really iron out those roles, see how the fits continue to work. And maybe they continue to shake up the lineups, right? We saw a lot of, like, Brad Wanamaker was in the rotation, and we'll talk about him. And O'Shea Brissett was, like, out and then in the rotation because those injuries, it, 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 it's not real yet. Like you said, Adam, we don't really know what the rotation yeah. is going to be, and so many guys hurt. But it... it the, the signs of just Duarte with these four other players was was good, and it makes you think that okay, if there are injuries to start the season, you you can say, okay, he if he starts, that's not the worst option for this team.
0: Yeah, I think so. I, I think it considering where the injury stuff is heading, I mean he's gonna have to frankly start because there just isn't much left but um yep I, yeah, we have to kind of we're gonna we're, we don't know who's gonna actually be there at the start of the season like we don't like right now we just don't know, so that's gonna play a huge a huge factor. Where Duarte starts, maybe it starts to start next to Lamb or whatnot. Frankly,
1: or amazingly, Tory Craig has worked his way into the starters discussion. Yeah. Why? That's because Justin Holiday got hurt. We mentioned we were going to do the good news first, the bad news second. That's the bad news. Let's get to Justin Holiday, but first let's take a little break and hear from two great oh. groups of people. First, let's talk about the great folks over at Sleeper because they discovered in 2018 fantasy basketball is completely broken. Games are being won and lost based on which owner had players that had more scheduled games played in a week? If you've ever played fantasy basketball a while ago, you knew that it was really dumb how that worked. Like guys who had four or five games in a week, even if they weren't stars or were more valuable than like Kevin Durant with two games in a week, it was no sense. It made no sense. It was very little strategy to it. It was just ad guys who had a lot of games. So sleeper said, screw that we're going to make fantasy basketball way better. And they made something called game pick. It's only available on sleeper. And in game pick team managers pick a single game per week for each starter on their team to count towards their total score. That means Both opponents have the same number of games played for their roster. So no more losing because your opponent's players have more games than you. No more busy work. No more giving up halfway through the season because the busy work is not fun and you're losing a lot. You get game picks now. You pick one game per week for each player based on their matchup, home versus away, their defensive rating of their opponent, pace of play. All that adds up. More strategy, less busy work. It's way more fun whether you prefer redraft, keeper, dynasty, game picks, as you covered, if you prefer building out a weekly strategy versus daily business, where you're gonna love game picks, go check it out. Download that sleeper app, Star League with your friends today. I use it for fantasy football, love their app. You will not be disappointed. And let's also talk about the great folks who are making direct TV stream for you. Because if you're like me, you've got one device to watch the sporting events live, another to stream your favorite TV shows, another for your sport highlights. That's my phone. And you've got, you know, your family or your friends log in for other stuff, right? That's a pain. There's a better way to do all that entertainment and get the get it without the hassle. And that's Direct TV Stream. It brings your live TV and on-demand favorites together like never before. So you can watch your favorite sports, movies and shows all in one place. That means no more juggling remotes, no need to buy another device ever again, and the best part, no annual contract. Get rid of the clutter and confusion and get your TV together with Direct TV Stream. You can learn more at directtv.com. That's directtv.com. Compatible device required. Content varies by package. Thank you for making Locked On Pacers your first listen today. We always appreciate you guys checking in on the Pacers and hanging out with us. Time for the bad news stuff. Justin Holiday injured late in the second quarter against the Cavs. Basically the only thing you don't want to see in a preseason game is an injury and of course it happens. To the Pacers iron man, the only guy who has not missed a game the last two seasons for them, Justin Holiday very badly rolled his ankle when I I forget who he was guarding but someone crossed over and he couldn't quite keep up, and his ankle rolled really bad. He immediately limped off the floor, went back to the locker room. Uh, it was called an ankle sprain from the Pacers. He was questionable to return, made no sense for him to come back. Uh, and then we got an update from Rick Carlisle at Fan Jam on Sunday. Very fun event, by the way, if you get to go. Congratulations. I'm glad you got to watch all that. Uh, that on Saturday, Justin Holliday couldn't walk very well. You know, He's dealing with, that, with ankle pain. But Sunday, he was walking way better. Uh, I was there. I could see him. He was walking fine. No boot, no nothing. Uh, and Carlisle noted that in his career, he's been a fast healer. So they don't know, they don't have like a specific timetable yet. He's day-to-day right now, day-to-day. Always a good distinction to hear because any day now, the pain could just be gone and he could be back. I have no idea what that means when he will or won't be back. Maybe he'll miss some time. Maybe he won't, but of course, it's the worst news in, in preseason. A player gets hurt, now the Pacers have to pivot at him.
0: Yeah, it's basically the one injury in the one position they didn't really want, right? Now they're basically down like three two-slash-three th- two three guards. I mean, they're basically having to dig deep in the bench, and this is why, I guess, you sign guys like Torrey Craig and you keep, keep Lamb on the roster and you drive Arte so that you could have guys to fill in. But it's just, yeah, it's just annoying, frankly.
1: You never want injuries, but especially when we, we talked about this we did our podcast on injuries about a month ago at this point, is that the problem the Pacers have been having a lot is their injuries stack, both positionally and yep. at, in terms of timing. And now we have... Warren, Lavert, and Holiday, who kind of play 2-3, wing, and they're all hurt at the same time. So who knows when Holiday will or won't be back, but that's where the problem comes in of, you know, this isn't like Brogdon got hurt, and you can just slide McConnell in and still have a capable-ish lineup. But, but you you know, you obviously are losing production, but you still have something going, whereas Justin Holiday was already your backup three. Now he's hurt. You're going to your third string three to start. So it first of all, it's a big injury just because Justin Holiday is good, right? The thing yeah. that we've been seeing in this preseason is, He's been attacking the rim work, a la McDermott last year. His shot looks okay still. His defense is good. He knows the Pacers very well. He's been here for so long. Just to say it, he's good. He's been helpful in every lineup he's in the entire time he's been with the Pacers. So that's obviously the biggest hit from this. Is just on the surface level, they lost a good player.
0: Yeah, he's the best utility guy they have. Like he, he fits in really anywhere. You can kind of go away playing at four at times in a bench lineup, yep. anywhere from two, from the basically shooting guard to small forward to power forward spot. He fills in basically any time anybody's hurt in the starting lineup because you can make it work and just around right, uh, and so that's where you want him. Like he's he'll he'll end up playing what's most season eighty something games plus start fifteen or twenty because he'll fill in for injuries. Like it's just the he's usually kind of the like and he makes not a ton of money. All the things he's kind of their, like perfect player to have, and yeah, it, he's the one guy like you don't really want to get hurt when you already have injuries because it means that like now you're digging deep in, and I mean you joked at the start of the year, but like Lamb is like. I, I, at this point, Lamb is like in a legit competition to start at, that, at the two or three, whatever you want to call it.
1: Yeah, the fallout from this is very fascinating because if this game had happened the same way as the first preseason game, where Lamb started alongside Justin Holiday, then you'd, we'd be talking right now like, okay, Duarte will pop into the starting five. But Duarte already started; he's already in the starting five, at least right now. So going forward in the preseason, seeing how they pivots going to be really interesting. First of all, just on the floor. The guys they have to fill in now, like Warren, is a kind of a three and D guy, and LeVert's really good at offense. They don't have those guys right now, right? So, fixing Justin Holiday's production of a guy who can really shoot and play defense, they eat, They kind of have to decide, right? Because that that's where the biggest hit is here. Like Torrey Craig might be a better defender than Justin Holiday, but he is way worse on offense. He's been dribbling so much in the preseason, his shot is not as good, although he has been hitting some threes. In the preseason, Jeremy Lamb the opposite, where his offensive game is is, is kind of clean and crisp. He looks like he's got that left elbow jumper back that is he's maybe the best left elbow jumper shooter in the NBA, but his defense is terrible, right? So they're sacrificing on one end in a way that they weren't with Justin Holiday. That's a big hit. So, uh, you know, Duarte well that would have started to me for Justin Holiday, but he's already starting. So now you got to figure out who your fifth starter is. Is it Lamb? And then you move Duarte to the three. Is it Torrey Craig? Playing the three, my light just died again. I always forget that that's going to happen. Lamb Lamb great.
0: can play the three too, theoretically too. He's played yeah, the three in yeah. the past, right?
1: Yeah, he kind of did next to Depot. I if I recall, I think he like, did also
0: in in Charlotte for a little bit, like in one of those. Years. I don't
1: know his Charlotte time well enough to to officially speak on that. But yeah, you know, there are those seem like the two most obvious candidates to me it would be Tory Craig and Lamb. Do you have a do you have a, hunch between those two guys jeremy or excuse me tory craig started the second half with justin holiday out against the Cavs.
0: I, mean, I think the more interesting thing is is kind of the downhill effect right so like name oh, yeah. starters, and then like how everything shifts up right so like i just like wrote down like the let's call 10 man rotation but like this might legitimately get o'shea jackson into being like the ninth guy right i mean it's going to come down to him like we i guess i think o'shea can play some backup three is that wrong he did in the that? fourth quarter right Remember
1: that? it was it was goga O'Shea and yeah, I mean, Isaiah Jackson were right, the front so court in the fourth quarter. Could that I, be their yeah.
0: bench front? Because I, I do think to start of the year they'll probably go ten deep. I think if a GL sub like nine could. but most teams I feel like start the first game with ten just to see what they've had for a few games. Um so like I guess you were looking at like a bench lineup of McConnell, Lamb, O'Shea, Jackson and and Goga. Maybe you I mean Craig and Lamb, Yeah, and then the Lamb or Craig is a flip basically. But I think that makes the most sense, honestly, is having Craig start because right. he could play tr- traditional three and then you've got of shake and slot up and stuff like that, and then maybe wanna some fits in there. That's the only other one. But I mean, like this could mean both rookies end up playing like oh, a lot. Know. Yeah, Duarte twenty five. Yeah, well, I mean, if if this holds the regular season, right? All right. Like, Warren Holiday and Levert all at the first this call like game or two. Duarte could play twenty five minutes. And you see Oje- O'Shea play, not O'Shea, Isaiah play fifteen. I mean, that's wouldn't surprise me at least.
1: Right. If you're the optimist here too, you could even look at what's going on right now, right, and say. Oh, you know, Justin and LaVerta back on day one of the regular season, and then all these problems go away, right? You start, you start at the two, Justin Holiday the three, boom, you're ready to roll. So, like, we could be just analyzing what they do for two preseason <laughs> games, which is over analyzing an ankle sprain, but you know, it certainly matters that because they have other guys out, and because the pre again the regular season starts in like nine days, like these injuries are real and coming up on the season. So, figuring out their plans is certainly interesting. And you mentioned Maker. Yeah, we got to bring him up. I didn't think we would need to bring him up this soon when we were kind of thinking about how injuries play into this. But he got in in the second quarter against the Cavs. I think they were just – I don't actually know this. I I didn't ask Carlisle because there was an injury and a bunch of other guys play well. But you know, was he in the competitive portion of the game because that's where they currently rank him in terms of the roster and where he will contribute? Or were they just trying to see how do you fit with other good players on this team because if it's the latter, then I guess there's a chance that – You know, maybe McConnell gets a bump in minutes and plays with the starters more, and then Wanamaker steals some of the minutes vacated by Holiday for these two games. But he's only played once. I don't know how to feel what his role on this team is, and it seems like just because it's a forward, the biggest beneficiaries will be Craig and Lamb and even O'Shea getting rotation minutes because he was getting rotation minutes in the second half, and he didn't in the first half, which was interesting.
0: Yeah, I would be surprised if Wanamaker works just because he's on—he's so new to the team right now. So new, and And I think – his role is he's the emergency point guard. And so I'm not sure you want to tap into that when you both your point guards are healthy. Yeah. Right. Like, it's yep. like, because the worst thing to happens to them is they bring him and he gets hurt then. And then, then it's like no emergency point guard. You have no shooting guards. Like, it's just the things are just come kind of a mess. Like, he's got to kind of be the guy of like, okay, when somebody's, when the, one of the points hurt, you're in, but that's about it. And maybe it's a garbage time thing. But I, I would be surprised that he's in a rotation, at least to start yep. of the season.
1: So assuming those are the, we, we got the 10 right, I mean, we're one injury away from seeing Keelan Martin all of a sudden like the again like last year
0: where it's like, all yep. right, you're in. Get in there. So the last thing I think I would say is like we were discussing that like, the Pacers go 14 guys to start the year, right? Like was there yeah, a chance Not if this many injuries. Right? Because like they only have 11 players if they cut Keelan. Yep. 11 healthy. And now maybe – we're maybe holidays only a week and Levert's only 10 days and so then we're like 13 and they could do it. But like I kind of thought they were going to be- – I don't know if they would, they would cut Keelan, but I thought they would definitely try to like minimize the amount of money he was going to cost them. But now I think he might even have a better leverage situation going into that October what 19th deadline. 20th. People
1: who kept asking, why is Keelan pushing back his guarantee date? What is the, what is the benefit for him? Th- this. <laughs> this is the benefit for him. He gets the preseason, and he played well against the Cavs, by the way. He loves shooting in Cleveland, apparently. He was three for four. And then stuff like this happens where there's three injuries in front of him at his position, and they trade Edmund Sumner, and all of a sudden he's like, great, my spot on the team is looking very secure all of a sudden. So that's that's why you push these guaranteed dates back. But yeah, he could be another beneficiary. There's a lot of ripple effects, and often, because Justin Holiday probably is like just below starter quality, but it's fine if he's your fifth starter. But as always with the injuries, the ripple effect is not necessarily always who comes into the starting five, but like you said earlier, who replaces the guy who does come into the starting five. And that's where it's either going to be, Maybe Brissett out of position, maybe a rookie Jackson, maybe more Goga, who has been
0: fine in the preseason, but
1: unproven career. So
0: a lot of ripple effects
1: from this that involve young guys needing to step up and we'll, we'll have to see what happens.
0: Yeah, it's going to be interesting. It's certainly it's a it's kind of the life of a Pacer fan. Unfortunately, his injuries <laughs> just always pile up at the worst possible times.
1: Yes, that is a hundred percent true. All right, so we'll cover some notes from the Cavs game, some other stuff to watch this week, some fan jam stuff. There's a lot of stuff that happened in the last three Pacers days that we have to talk about. So let's do it. We got a lot more Pacers topics to get to today, but first we got to talk about one group of people that we always talk about on Lockdown Pacers, and that is the great folks over at Built Bar. Because did you know that Built Bar is making the best tasting protein bars ever? They do not, as Nate Duncan says, taste like the inside of a sawmill. Instead, they're 100% covered in chocolate, soft and easy to chew protein bars. And they have a flavor for everybody. When you talk to a Built Bar fan, they're always passionate about their favorite flavors. The new cookie dough one is absolutely my favorite. It's so good. But the double chocolate's really good. Peanut butter brownie is really good. Cookies and cream is really good. There's so many that I've really liked that they've made. Uh, so you got to try them. There's a mixed box you can get where you can try two of each of their nine most popular flavors. But you can also just buy individual boxes, whatever you like you got to try Built Bar. Not only are they delicious, but they're really healthy, right? 17 to 18 grams of protein in all of them. Calories ranging from 130 to 180. Only 4 to 5 grams of sugar. And only 4 to 5 grams of net carbs. Amazing flavors. All tasty. All healthy. A great snack or meal supplement. Try them out today. Go to Built.com. Use the promo code LOCKED15, and you'll get 15% off your order. That promo code is LOCKED15 for 15% off at Built.com. All right. Let's talk more about that Cavs game, more about some other Pacers notes. I got plenty in my phone. Sorry for those watching on YouTube. By the way, we're one week into YouTube. It's going very well. If you want to listen or watch us on that way, you can see my face moving and talking. YouTube is the place (coughs) for you. So the first thing I wanted to bring up, this is more just uh, an administrative thing that the team will have to watch this week. But So technically how guaranteed contracts work for the season is they start counting against your cap on the 16th. That is Saturday. The Pacers' last preseason game is Friday. So don't be surprised if, you know, guys start to get waived during this week before that so the Pacers can bring in other Exhibit 10 guys. They can waive also by Saturday. Like, Terry Taylor didn't even play against the Cavs, so he might be waived early this week. I'm just guessing here, but, like, that kind of stuff could happen uh, very soon. Definitely starting this week. A lot of teams have already started to churn through that stuff. So um, get get – Get ready to see those kind of transactions and don't be surprised, unless it's like oh. Kimber Sykes, then be a little surprised because he was fighting for a roster spot.
0: Yeah, we think the spot's going to Keelan, though, right? I mean, it's either Wanamaker Keelan or no one, but yeah, what yes, Wanamaker yeah, yeah. and Keelan, but yes, 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 but Wanamaker, I think it's like, oh are yeah, I think it's Keelan or none if, if, at this point. It feels like
1: that's you. my guess as well. So just keep an eye on that this week, see who gets waved. If they bring in anyone else, that's why they're doing it. It's not really anyone. Fighting to make the team. Uh, Okay, speaking of Wanamaker, he debuted. And I know we kind of talked about his interesting spot in the rotation for his first game and whatever, but in general, I thought he was all right. He actually had five assists. like He was doing a pretty good job setting up his teammates and and running the offense to the extent that he knew it. Um, But he had some nice skip passes to shooters and just just didn't look lost out there, which is impressive considering he's been with the team for all of two days before that game. So nice debut. Uh, Looks like a guy who can be their third-point guard just fine. I I think he had a nice day to – to continue on the path to easily make the Pacers team be their third point guard,
0: yeah, I'm kind of like I mean when they signed him, even I'm surprised he wasn't in the league already. I mean, I, I think that kind of he kind of showed that in his first game. But, I mean, I mean he's not like you know world beater, right? He's, he's probably maybe even not even a backup point guard quality, but like it seems like he is like what every team needs at the third point guard spot. And I wonder if some of that is just like an age thing because he's kind of on the older side and stuff like that. That hasn't been in the league, but. Um, I'm like – he's the kind of got I'm surprised the Patriots didn't sign earlier almost in some ways because they just – they clearly have needed a guy like him. Maybe they thought in the draft they'd get someone or find somebody young or whatnot or somebody would step up. But, yeah, I think he looked like – I would expect a guy who, you know, has been in the league, what, this would be his fourth season, is 32 years old and looks kind of like, you know, fine. And I think as the same on, he'll, he'll adjust and figure out how to run some of the plays as he needs yep. to be. I mean, doesn't need to be sharp game one because he's not the, even the backup point card right now.
1: And he can play off ball too. He actually played with McConnell a tiny bit, which I thought was noteworthy. I, don't, I We talked about how that's an option if the injuries come to that. I yeah. they shouldn't get to that point, but look where we are. Look what we talked about yeah. today. Another injury. It's all we talk about on this podcast for Pete's sake. So you never know, but that's it's. I think that's a pro and, a, and an appeal to the Pacers signing him as well as given what they're currently dealing with injury-wise and what they have in the past, getting a guy who can not only fill the role you need of a third point guard who's capable, but also can do... Some kind of off-ball stuff, if need be. Again, was a good shooter for the Celtics for two years. That's even more appealing for them. So, I, a good debut for him. We'll see what that carries into this week. He is definitely one of the probably the three or four most interesting guys to watch for the rest of preseason. But I enjoyed watching his debut.
0: Yeah. Can I give you another thought from the from the last preseason game? Yeah. Go ahead. Not not really. I guess it's a point guard, but it's not related to wanna maker. I, I think we have to just talk about how good Brogdon looked. We did it before yes, the show absolutely. a little bit. But man, I mean, when he is when he is on, it's like oh, this guy is like close to being a one. On a lot of teams, you know what I mean. Or like definitely at least a, like the second option on a really good team. Man, he just looks so good, and it's good to see what he he beats up on the bad teams pretty well, which obviously. But that's still still. I mean, he's just yeah, he's, he's you, another level than most players.
1: He was very close to the infamous point line of like unbelievable game of same number of minutes and points, right? We're like every minute you're in the game, you score a point, which is crazy at 27 and 27 minutes and 44 seconds of time. He only missed two shots. He took 14. Like they had no answer for him. He was making his threes. The shot that he had going, which is something that I think every player, when they, when they get to a Brogdon is not elite, I have to preface this, but every player, when they, right when, below they take it, a, yeah. when they take a big offensive step up, usually they get a, they get better at their floater and his floater was really working against the Cavs. And I actually asked him about the floater after the game and he said, yeah, not only, you know, was it working for me today, but I, I worked on it a little bit this offseason too, right? So if that's, a, if that's a new shot for him, because he's had trouble his whole career where he can like get a half step on his defender, but sometimes not quite the full step and he blows some weird layups. Like if he can just chuck it up and in when he gets that half step, I think that would add an element to his game that makes games like this not common. If they were common, he'd be like one of the best 15 players in the NBA, but, yeah. you know, more – Frequent, maybe one in every like ten instead of every one in every fifteen or something like that. So it was yeah, a very I, impressive game.
0: I think my biggest concern from coming into the year was he had such a good year last year that I worried the Pacers basically blew like blew one of his prime years, right? And they they did yeah. essentially. But like I was worried he wasn't going to have the same prime. And I think though he does look like he is. Maybe even slightly building on last year, where I think like I thought at some point he kind of hit a hit the like the the top of his career because he's like thirty years old almost or getting right isn't he twenty nine? He's almost twenty eight, I believe. Oh, he is. So I'm maybe off here, but he's getting to that yeah. point where like he's going to reach his peak in the next year or two. Yeah. And I and especially with his injury history, I was like kind of concerned with this would with his peak last season, but I don't think he's quite there yet. I think his offensive output might not be the same level just like because he was kind of took a lot of shots last year and there's more offensive weapons now. But I do think I forgot just like how I didn't forget, but like. It's nice to be reminded of, oh, yeah, this guy's like at times can be close to an elite level offensive player, like when he's at his yep. very best. You just can't do it all the time.
1: Frequent listeners of the show know that I have often called him the best player on this team when healthy, but
0: I think uh, I yeah. agree with you. I mean, it's close That's to him not often ball. the case. Yeah, true. <laughs> yeah. That's also true.
1: And not often the case. So I didn't even notice this until we heard about it after the game, but I want there's another rotational thing, but also like a good Pacers thing to bring up. Did you notice in this game, Adam, that Brogdon and Sabonis' minutes were dead tied? Like, like, locked. Whenever one came out, the other came out. Whenever one came in, the other came in. Did you even notice during the game?
0: Uh, you know, I, I probably didn't. I mean, I'm, I'm not going to... These preseason games, I'm not, like, locked in on the starters all the time. But now that <laughs> I right. look at the minutes, you're you're correct, I'm sure. Carlisle,
1: t- Carlisle tipped us that after the game that... I don't know. I think it was intentional that he was trying to have them... Always on the court together. Pacers dominated those minutes, outscored the Cavs by
0: 17 points in under 28 minutes. So uh looks like he's fo-
1: focusing on developing that partnership a little bit, which is good. They're the best. Two, two best players. players
0: on the team, two best two, offensive, yep. offensive weapons. I mean, two they blend together really well. I mean, it's it's kind of a, a light version of Vic and Sabonis from 17-18. I mean, actually yep. Sabonis is better than he was then. Sabonis in- was
1: the- not yeah, he wasn't even that great
0: then. Yeah, but Vic was so good that, that it's like that pairing was like another level. I still think yep. just because Vic was like a the top a top 15 player that year, but it's sort of that kind of version where like, oh yeah, both these guys could just like constantly just play off each other. And it's a it's a good it's a good thing when they like probably will start double teaming Barton at times if that happens. to kind of that's the bailout now that's with Sabonis all the time. Right. So
1: yeah, that that's something to monitor. If they're always tied together, that's good. I mean they they play well together. Sabonis had a double-double, Brogdon had 27 points. Great. Maybe that's something they pursue more, and then Turner becomes the big with the bench we saw last year. How, I mean, we did several podcasts just talking about Turner with the bench lineup. So maybe that can be good again, especially on the defensive end. Something else in the Cavs game I have in my notes. It's preseason. This stuff is clunky. I want to read into it, though, because it's kind of been both preseason games. But the shot selection is just strange from some guys. Like, I get that they're all about open threes and spread and interchangeability. And you can do this from starting from here. And this guy can be in the corner or this guy, whatever. TJ McConnell should not be shooting the second most threes on your team. Goga should not be leading your team in three-point attempts. They're not really shooting as much at the basket with guys who are good at shooting at the basket as much. Like it's fine. Like Torrey Craig is dribbling all the time. All the time. And like it's going fine, but I did not expect Torrey Craig to dribble like, like ever. <laughs> you know, Isaiah yeah. Jackson took two corner threes. Like, Brad, I, I don't know. Brad make is fine, I guess. Like, there's just a lot of stuff that it's preseason, and I don't want to be like, what are they doing? What are they thinking, you know, when they have a real rotation, this stuff will be ironed out, but I'm kind of thinking a, like a, a couple times every game like why is why is that guy creating that shot for this guy and this it's just kind of weird. Do you feel the same way?
0: Yeah, so they've taken a combined or an average of like 42 threes per game in the freezing games, both of them. I think 44 in the first and 39 in the second, which I think gets you the I
1: don't the right volume ahead. itself isn't necessarily Well,
0: so I don't know. It's, it's still I mean how much did they take last year? I'm not forgetting what the actual number was last
1: uh, year. Like 35, I think.
0: Right? Like, I mean, and so like, 25. and under McMillan, it was more like, what, like 32? Oh, I mean? no, it was in like 20. It was like 20. It was in the 20s? Okay. I remember that one. <laughs> I, 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 I think it's still this adjustment of like, the team is just like going to be much more focused on the three-point shot. It's like this, I know Bjorken was like, there was kind of that shift, but it didn't quite take hold. But I think it's starting to finally take hold. It, it takes a while anyways. to kind of, beat guys out of the idea of, like, oh, take the open two, because that's just, like, what right. they've going in style, and you play that way for three years, you just it's, like, locked in your brains. So, I mean, I, I agree on that. The thing about tote 2 is that, like, guys just take shots because they can, right? That's I mean, like there isn't, like, a lot of, like, there isn't much thought to it or, like, try to find the official shot. It's more like, I have the ball I have to shoot now because I need to impress the moment kind of thing. Yeah, so like, that's also, it's, true. It's that's why the volume more comes to me. I'm like, Oh, that's a lot of threes to take. And if they take 40 a game, that's going to be a lot. Well, I don't know how efficient they'll be. And i right, I've,
1: I've got the, time. I've yeah. got the numbers for you. You ready? Okay. Read. The final McMillan season, 28 threes per game. I was exactly oh, right. That's so small. <laughs> Way too low. First of all, but <laughs> they shot really well. Though. They shot. 2019 lockdown Pacers topic last year with Bjorken, it was 34 on the dot per game. Okay. I have another key number for you here. Guess how many the Mavericks took per game last season?
0: Like forty-two.
1: 38.1 oh, sixth in the league so okay. 39 against the Cavs. maybe that's about where the
0: pacers end up okay yeah i mean the Mavs have Luca though who's a high volume yeah, great creator
1: from three so here's yeah. the thing i said this after the next game too there were we talked about duarte already who took a few that you're like eh you know mcconnell in general shooting four you're like maybe not but in general they were all open and you're like okay uh that's that's fine it's an open three like Shoot that, yeah, but... Yeah, but I think in a Raisman game... how it's created... There's a the reason kind of they'll be open.
0: Racing the racing game is a reason McConnell is the reason open. they're open. <laughs> yep. You're yeah, like
1: yeah, right about that. Anyway, you know how you make important. it so there's a reason they're not open is you make them when
0: you are open. Well, so. I mean... I assume we're going to just a bonus shoot more threes this year. I just think that's probably the progression. Like, maybe three a game. I think it was like two and a half last year. McConnell will, get, get, take, yeah. McConnell will probably take... McConnell probably take one a game, although I don't know if he keeps missing them. I think at some point they have to tell him just to stop. But, like, you want but it's not as easy you want these guys to take the threes because it's kind of like part of developing, right? If you don't – Spence doesn't take three a game now, then he can't take – then he can't make, you know, 37% next season on three attempts, right? If you only – you know, he's got to kind of work through it. And McConnell's the same way, right? You now have a long-term deal with McConnell, and if you want McConnell to be a, a like, serviceable three-point shooter in two seasons, he's got to take one per game at least going forward. So, like, there is some of that, like, chicken and, and the egg thing, but I don't know. Yeah, uh, I don't have much
1: else in terms of real ish Pacers basketball. I was at Fan Jam, first time in Gambridge
0: Fieldhouse. First of all, great. Wait, hold on, hold on. Calm actually, down. It is not a new building, it is the same building. Guys, as it's no, been. it's very much changed. Oh, it's they very much changed. Did they fix? Did they do the finally the remodeling that they've been trying to do forever? The, yeah, the club
1: level down is a lot of remodeling. So, so oh, okay. get out of
0: here with your not a new. Okay, new I haven't uh, been to a game in two years because I didn't go last year <laughs> because because of, of the COVID and obviously you know they have been yet.
1: I reject your premise that it is not. New
0: well, I'll I'll go to a game when I come home and I'll, <laughs> I'll see what it's like and I'll let you know what's actually different. I mean, they've had the same building for twenty. 20 years now, right? They moved in 2001,
1: yeah. I think. <laughs> Gray, comfy seats. Cl- com- club level looks different. No one really cares about the field house stuff. Just stuff that's fun. Fan Jam was very fun. O'Shea had hit a ton of threes and led his his white squad to a triumphant comeback over the blue team. Uh, Ronald Norad's squad beat. Mike Wiener's squad, uh, the dancing was super fun. Chris Duarte dressed as, I think he was Barnacle Boy. And Isaiah Jackson was Mermaid Man from SpongeBob. Uh, They sang Cardi B's I Like It. It was very funny. Uh, They did a great job. Dejan Giroux stole the show. He can really dance and sing. Uh, It was just a blast. Fan Jam is one of the most fun events of the year.
0: Yeah, I went to Fan Jam a couple years in a row. I think I went out towards the end of high school. It was always a fun time. I think I went one of the years. um, I think it was one of Turner's Turner's rookie year I went. He was kind of funny during it. Turner mentioned uh,
1: that that he's in charge of the costumes because he's been around for the longest, so he took it over from PG. So
0: Miles is always the guy buying the costumes and stuff. I think that's a perfect role for him. He makes plenty
1: of money. He's fine. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm sure a- the $100 uh, Stranger <laughs> Things costumes really put a hole in it. Yeah, I know. And his $18
0: million contract.
1: Yeah. So Fan Jam's just fun. I'm, I hope some of you got to go. It's a great time. Um, I don't think I have anything else today in terms of Pacers notes. Tomorrow, there's this guy on the Sixers who has yet to report to camp that has been linked to the Pacers several times, assuming there's no Pacers notes on Monday. I think it's finally time we talk about that topic. So we will get into a little who more of the recent
0: – who could it be? I'm always wondering. I'm curious. You have me- yeah,
1: yeah. I forget his name.
0: Sen? Um, uh, Sen Bimmins, right? Sen Bimmins.
1: Yeah, no, that's the guy who founded uh, The Ringer, right? No, I'm just kidding. No.
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> that's a very niche sports media joke. But yeah, we'll talk about that a little bit. I was going to do it last week, but then... Uh, I forget what topic made us pivot. Oh, yeah, the Sumner trade and the Wanamaker signing made us pivot there. So we'll get to that. And the NBA GM survey came out last week. A lot of love for the Pacers, actually, this year, uh, talking about those topics and how we feel about those things. It's kind of our last filler day for a while. You know, the regular season starts next week. There's games all the time to talk about and cover and see how the team is doing. So got to cover these final offseason topics before we can't anymore. So that that's tomorrow's show unless uh, unless something happens.
0: Well, knowing our luck, something will happen. Unfortunately. something has always happened <laughs> this, it always happened. we're
1: always like oh man this week's gonna be tough but then like oh edmund sumner tours achilles oh tj ward set back oh something always happens ideally knock on wood nothing will happen this time so that's tomorrow's show it'll be super fun hope you guys can look forward to that thank you guys so much for listening and making us your first listen of your podcast of the day and we will see you tomorrow